<laughs> to unnecessary angst. Kept it low key today. Low key. Pretty pretty straightforward. Yeah, yeah it works. <laughs> oh gosh, we're so excited to be back for another installment of The Cruel Prince by Holly Black. We'll be talking about chapters 9 and 10 today, which oh boy. Things happen in these chapters. I have so many feelings. Like, Julia, I'm sorry. I'm going to, like, unload probably a lot of feelings onto you tonight. Oh, I'm really excited to hear it. Um, I feel like we've been waiting for this. I know. I've been, been, like, waiting for something to happen, and I feel like things are finally starting to happen. Whether Mm -hmm. that's good or bad is a conversation. (laughs) Oh, they're pretty pivotal. (laughs) Things are starting to happen. Uh, but before we get into the book, how are you doing this week? What are you drinking? I'm good. I'm drinking a vodka tonic. Mm. Um, I was thinking, my mother suggested I have a vodka orange juice. And then we proceeded to have a panic attack because I needed orange juice for this recipe I was going to make. And we realized that, well, my mother thought that Stop and Shop hadn't given us orange juice in our pickup order the other day, <gasps> which means I couldn't have made the recipe. And then where was the orange juice? Because it was in our cart in the delivery thing. And so for about five minutes, just rushing around the entire kitchen trying to figure out what happened to this orange juice and thinking, oh my God, they charged us for orange juice and didn't give us the orange juice. <laughs> and then she finally found it. <laughs> but, by, but then I'd made my vodka time. That is my week. I mean, I had classes, but eh, not as exciting as, you know, missing the orange juice. <laughs> Fair. Uh, yeah. Um, can't say much about my classes, though. They're just classes. I'm hoping I have a chill semester ahead. My last semester, my first semester in grad school was, like, It was chaotic. chaotic yeah. But we will find out soon, I guess. I'm, I have high hopes. All of my professors are really nice, so that that really works out well. Oh, good. Um, yeah. Anyway, how's your week? Uh, my week's been really busy. Like, I feel like there's just a lot of moving parts on my new project, which I don't really have my head wrapped around yet, so I'm going to have to do some work tomorrow, even though we have the day off, just to get it over the finish line. That's not fun. Um, also, I feel like a lot of things are just coming to a head, like, end of January, I realized I have signed up for way too many extracurricular activities. I feel like a freshman in college. (laughs) It's just making bad choices, but I'm, like, mentoring two high schoolers on their, like, high school competitive events for a club. I signed up to do an alumni class through Penn studying the Iliad. Okay. That starts in March. And I got accepted into an associate development program for my job where I'm going to have to meet with them like once a month and go through all these like exercises to make myself into a better employee. So on top of my normal job. You have a lot going on. (laughs) Yeah. Plus, who knows? I may soon be taking in a 14-year-old. (laughs) (laughs) On top of everything. Yeah. So it's be great it's gonna be a good time well you can teach her about the Iliad (laughs) I might start with like Percy Jackson (laughs) as an introduction (laughs) to good like ancient 14 year old doesn't want to learn about the Iliad I mean I would have loved to too Achilles like who doesn't want to know the story of Achilles 
I don't know. But uh, it's it's been a bit of a hectic week, so I'm glad that it's a three-day weekend and I can kind of catch up on some Oh, yeah, that's and... right. It's an American holiday. It is, It's not a Canadian yeah. holiday. <laughs> but it's an American about holiday. That. So I can catch up on some work and, like, go run some errands tomorrow, which is nice. Um, and tonight... I'm drinking a cranberry currant cider. Oh, that sounds so good. Yeah, it's called Cosmic Current, and it's made with cranberry juice, ap- Northwest apples, and black currants. And mm. it comes from Two Towns Cider House in Oregon. Oh, I think you told me about that in the last recording. Oh my god, yeah. I want that. I, I want also that. I bought another. Um, cider. I got this from Trader Joe's and I bought another cider from Trader Joe's which I'll probably drink next week when we record, but it is it's a cider, but it's made with champagne yeast, so it tastes like champagne in a can. Interesting. I would like to try this. <laughs> I actually I would like to it. see it. <laughs> Cuz you know me, like I'm not a big like sparkling wine, champagne mm-hmm. I'm a little I bit am. more on board with Prosecco. You love it, but it's not my thing. But, like, this one I actually really liked because it wasn't that dry because it was, like, cider, so it was a little bit sweeter. Um, so I vibed with it more. <laughs> but it was good wow. for canned canned champagne. <laughs> Pretty tasty. <laughs> uh, I've had many a canned champagne and I've not found any that are worth the money well i just thought it was really funny because it clearly says it's like golden state cider like Mm -hmm. on the can but then the flavor at the bottom says brute so it's like supposed to be champagne oh dry dry it's just a dry cider but it tastes like champagne oh it's made with champagne yeast (laughs) i'm telling you oh that's you just said that yeah okay okay i send some to me or show me where I can buy some. I, I got like it to at Trader it. Joe's, but uh. I'm sure it's regional. <laughs> I'll figure it out. I don't know. <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah. So, it. but I'm drinking the the Cosmic Current one tonight. It's good. I like it. It's very fruity. All right. So I'm let's jealous. get into it. Let's let's yes. dive into these two absolutely insane chapters. Uh, let's start with chapter nine. Why don't you kick us off? All right, chapter nine. We begin the chapter with Ju trying to pressure Taryn to tell her what Cardin said to make her cry. And Taryn says there's nothing to do with her and she knows what she is doing. Spoiler she, alert. She clearly does she it. doesn't. <laughs> doesn't take a detective to figure that out. Um, oh. Jude also comments that she is sometimes surprised. Her and Taryn are twins because only Taryn looks like she fits their face. She is comfortable in her own skin. She does not apparently feel comfortable in her own skin, which I think we're reminded of every single chapter. Yeah. Insecure YA protagonist. Check. I mean, that is the most relatable trait of a YA protagonist, let's be honest. I mean, are any of us comfortable? As teenagers? No. No. Uh... So Taryn tells Jude that she doesn't like that Jude won't just let things go because Taryn wants to forget and wants Jude to also forget. She also wants Jude to play nice, which I don't think is in Jude's vocabulary. <laughs> I don't think it's in her personality, no. <laughs> and fixes and fix things with Cardin because he will win and she doesn't want Jude getting hurt. 
Jude then goes to her room and sees her tournament outfit with Manic's crest on it, knowing if she fails in the tournament, she brings disgrace on herself and her family. Very Mulan there. I'm sorry that was a possible reference. <laughs> that's just the way that I wrote it. Like, that's not how it comes off so in the funny. book at all. Uh, Jude knows she should lay low during the games and falls asleep. When she wakes, her clothes are wrinkled, because that's what happens when you throw your clothing on the floor, apparently. <laughs> and she heads out, talking to Madoc first, and he says he understands what it's like to hunger for glory, but she will understand someday that this is for the best. She just wants to get away. The tournament is being held on Innsweil, which I probably mispronounce, but... Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> We probably mispronounced, like, half these names anyway. Yep, that's accurate. <laughs> On the Isle of Woe, W-O-E, which we can have many talks about what that means. And it okay, okay. takes a mount... No, I just think it's a great name. Isle of Woe. And the tournament is there. True. And Ju takes a mount to get there, but comes late, hungry, and anxious. A crowd is gathering, and she sees the royal banner of the Greenbriars, and Balakin sprawled out with Princess Rhea? Raya. I'm gonna go with Rhea. I'm gonna go with Rhea. Beside him, eyeing the competitors. And uh, Jude feels a little bit sad that she won't be one of the official competitors. Jude's age is the first to go, her age group, and they all use wooden swords because they are young. (laughs) They are children. Um, they are children. <laughs> Fan starts getting them ready, and Jude knows that Fan will stand out because she is wearing um, bright colors. But time will tell if it well, is, she is in a good or a bad way. I'm sorry, this may be a stupid question, but is her skin actually blue, or did she paint her skin blue? Oh, that's a good co- question. I don't know. Because it said she, she had blue skin and then also wore blue various yeah. shades of blue armor and i huh. i didn't write it down because i wasn't sure <laughs> which one it was but that's why yeah, she's that's gonna stand true. out because her entire everything is blue you're right hmm. well i guess that's up for our interpretation everyone's whispering about jude uh the human the mortal um mm-hmm. waiting to see what will happen Jude sees Cardin in his ornamental armor, and Valyrian smirks at her. This mock battle is essentially a large game of capture the flag. Am yeah. I wrong? No, you're not wrong. That is probably the most fitting way of putting it. Um, they lose the first round, uh, her Jude's team, and Cardin comments that she seems docile, which must be Terrence doing since she desires his approval so much. He then comments that he could get Taryn to have sex with him, which is, yes, <laughs> this is a good comment here. It is not directly stated as such. It is in a lot of metaphors <laughs> called rolling and green gowning. <laughs> yeah, like rolling, um, I figured, like a roll in the hay. Like, I know what that means. Yeah. But green gown, like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. We'll dissect it later. It's fine. Uh, so, to have sex with him in the middle middle of the field to earn his favor, but that he wouldn't be the first person Taryn had slept with. <laughs> Jude loses all thought of good intent and rages because she has absolutely no zero chill. patience. Um, she fight, fights like a maniac and her side wins the final two battles. Jude realizes her 
confess, which she just gave, wasn't enough because Maddox didn't stay to watch the rest. Cardin confronts her after saying the only thing that defines her is that she will die, being that she is mortal, and asks if she thinks she can best him, and she says no. He is holding on to her and says to beg for her his forgiveness. Drew tries to make herself do it, but she can't. She comes back up with a grand speech, saying she will continue to keep defying him and it will hurt him more because he has more to lose. Which is not wrong. <laughs> Intense, though. <laughs> yeah, very dramatic for a pair of teenagers. Then she walks away and Cardin looks at her like he is seeing her for the first time and everyone does nothing. They're all too shocked. As she's walking away, she splashes water on her face. Lockie comes up and asks if she is alright. He then says it's funny how she gets under Cardin's skin like a splinter of iron. He smiles at her and tells her to keep it up and she is confused, but maybe a little flattered that Lock, Lock, I keep calling Lockie. Lockie's Lock. been noticing her. I'm not going to say any of these names, right? <laughs> That's the end of chapter 9. Drinking game. Every time I mispronounce a name... <laughs> I don't want you to die. <laughs> also, we don't know how the names are actually pronounced, so. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. So, so much happened in chapter nine. But chapter 10, the rest of the tournament passes pretty quickly, and Jude's questioning. She's getting in her head. She's questioning if something happened between Locke and Taryn, since Cardin clearly couldn't have lied about Taryn having sex. So, he either has to fully believe that she has had sex or knows for sure that she has. Um, Vivi snaps her back to attention, saying that she was clever and made the folk fear her ferocity, even though Jude is like, eh, that wasn't true. I have fought like a sucker. I suck at life. Um, which also I don't think is true. Taryn makes a comment that she wishes <laughs> Jude was less clever and then disappears. Jude's been trying to talk to her this entire time and she just keeps like flitting away. So then the royal family is gearing up to watch Rhea fight, and Cardin is back in the box, all clean with his flower crown, like a true <laughs> prince. Maddox never comes back at all, which is highly sus, just saying. Uh, Rhea wins, and then Vivi and Taryn leave with Princess Rhea to go hunting, which is very random. Again, very sus. <laughs> Uh, but Jude instead decides to go home instead and eat lunch. Once at home, a servant actually realizes that she's there and says that the prince is waiting for her downstairs in Maddox's study. So Jude, of course, assumes for whatever reason that it's Cardin. So she like sprints down the stairs because she wants to prevent Cardin from telling Maddox how rude she's been to him because then Maddox will think that she's not fit for court. Uh, because she'll be, have been, like, disgracing the family that they're supposed to be serving. So she bursts through the door, and Prince Dane is there to speak to her, <laughs> a.k.a. the prince that's going to inherit the throne. Also, Maddox's not even there. We don't, we still don't know where Maddox has disappeared to. <laughs> uh, so Jude's freaking out. In her head, hoping that Prince Dane basically doesn't think that she's a total imbecile with no manners. And he asks her to drink this, like, acorn juice with him. But she's like, oh, it would go straight to my head. 
he laughs and asks her to keep him company, then asks why she stormed in there, who she thought was waiting for her. She says no one, and he says that he thought one of his brothers might be bothering her. She says no. He knows that she's lying. <laughs> she's a bad liar. And he's enthralled by watching her lie. And he asks her to do it again because he thinks it's so fascinating. So she then basically plays, like, seven truths in a lie with him and notes that he won't be able to tell what the lie is. But she just strings off, like, random facts, like, really quickly. Nothing that anyone would ever be able to guess unless you know, like, intimate details about a person. So he just basically says that it's fascinating that ha- how she can lie and asks how Maddox has been using this talent of hers, which, again, suspect. No loyalty. No loyalty. Everything is suspect. Uh, she's really confused, so he knows that Maddox isn't using her ability to lie for anything. And then he asks her what she dreams of, like what she desires. She says she wants to be his knight and is, like, very blunt And he says that that's unexpected, but it pleases him. Then asks, like, what else? And kind of, they have this, like, little back and forth dialogue about desire and how people always want desire more after they get the thing that they want. Uh, She almost says that she no longer wants to be mortal, but then is horrified at the thought. Like, she doesn't actually mean that. Uh, Then she decides that the boon that she craves is to resist enchantment above and beyond the meager protection she currently has. He tells her to come closer, and she's wary, naturally, but he says that she must trust him if she wants to serve him. He then basically acknowledges that Cardin's a little brat and says if she serves him, serves Dane, that she won't get such treatment, and he'll basically treat her, like, better than she could ever hope for anywhere else in the realm. But... The catch is, he wants her to be a spy in his court of shadows because of her ability to lie. He doesn't want her to be a knight. Uh, He says, though, that if she does this and she serves him well, that he'll give her a blessing. I don't know how to pronounce this word. A geese? A geese? Geus? I said geus in my head, but I I pronounce Loki as Loki, so. (laughs) Okay, we'll go with geus. A geus. Uh, G-E-A-S, for those who haven't read this book and are listening, uh, to protect her from enchantment. But Jude kind of makes a comment and goes through a couple of examples to say that these G-E-A-S usually come with some sort of a price that stabs you in the back. But she still, she's not saying no. She's considering it. And then I think this is, like, really important. (laughs) She says, I don't want to be controlled magically i mean give me that and i will manage the rest which it's like going into a contract where you know you're gonna get stabbed in the back that's a really bad wish like Mm -hmm. just anyways uh he asks her if that's an acceptance she nods yes and internally is hoping that she'll make a good spy and then he right then and there gives her the geas uh, and says that no one can enchant her except for the maker of the Geus, a.k.a. himself, so he can still control her magically. Uh, she should have guessed that that would be the catch, but she's not upset. She's just excited to have some level of protection and to be on this journey and is also excited because Prince Dane has acknowledged that she's useful and, like, sees value in her that Maddox didn't, so she's just, like, 
She's Basically, such a teenager. I died. It, like, makes me so uncomfortable because she's getting, like, preyed on by older men. And it's, like... She's such a teenager. Oh, God. I have... Uh, anyways, I have a lot of feelings. We'll circle back around to chapter 10. But let's let's start with chapter 9. Okay. I, as I said, was just really into... Th- I love... I, it has absolutely no, like, real meaning. But I love the name Isle of Woe, which is where the tournament is held, like... I don't know. There's something very poetic about this tournament where people are trying to win their part into this whole kingdom, World. right? Yeah. Win favor. Um, and you have poor Jude, who's never going to be able to be a part of it, as far as she knows, and wants to be. And that makes her very sad. It's just woeful, you know? But it's also woeful in general, right? Because it's like you have people mm-hmm. that are clamoring to get favor, but not everyone's going to get favor. Nope. So you may have some people that win, but the exactly. devastation of the losers is probably more palpable. So I love the naming of that. Um, I love that Maddox. It, it's like Maddox is just such a strange character because there's times when I'm like, I really love him. And then... There will be times you'll see, like, I really hate him. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one thing that I appreciate about him is how much he does seem to understand where Jude is coming from. Um, yeah. He just doesn't... And, like, he never, as, you know, in Chapter 10, we learn, like, he's never taken advantage of Jude's desire to become something more when he definitely could and use it for his own right um, advantage. Like, he... As I said, like, folk have no loyalty, but, like, he does have something. Um, he has a code of honor, Taiwan. even yeah, if it doesn't is, include loyalty, yeah. Which is really good. Um, so that's nice to see, even if the circumstances aren't great, considering right. how he got them. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, what what do you have for Chapter 9? I, you might have a lot more than I do. I have so many mm-hmm. thoughts. Okay. I want a hero. Um... So, first off, Taryn has no idea what she's doing. Like, I just, (laughs) I highly doubt that she has any idea of, like, the decisions she's making and how those are going to play out. She has no master plan. This is the Hufflepuffiest of Hufflepuffs to exist in literature. And, like, she has no strategy whatsoever. No offense to Hufflepuffs. (laughs) No, you guys are great. You're so nice and sweet, and I love Hufflepuff House, but, like, shh. She has no sense of strategy. She's not a good representation, but she is a helpful puff through Yeah, through. she just doesn't have a sense of strategy. Like, that's not her thing. She just wants people to love her. Peace. And, like, I get that. Yeah, she wants calm. Maybe, maybe Hufflepuff, like, tying her... I mean, I think she's a Hufflepuff, but maybe tying her to, like, Amity from Divergent is, like, a better thing from, like, a faction perspective. Mm-hmm. Like, she just wants to keep yeah. the peace, keep everyone happy, even if it means giving up a lot of things and, like, having a lot of self-sacrifice. Um, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but she just... She doesn't know what she's doing. Jude doesn't know what she's doing. They both think they're right. But then, like, Taryn's so passive, she doesn't stand up for herself. So Jude's trying to push her to stand up for herself. But then she's just trying to make sure Jude doesn't get them both hurt. And it's like, they're both wrong and right at the same time. And it's Mm -hmm. infuriating because, like, there is definitely a third path forward that would make both of them happy. But their little teenage brains just can't figure it out. 
They are true polar opposites, and they need to find a way to find that middle ground. Yeah, they need to, like, sit in a room for 24 hours and, like, work it out to actually understand each other's points of view, which means... Vivian's trying, but not in the right way. (laughs) But I think what really needs to happen is, like, Taryn needs to actually talk about things that have happened to her, and Jude needs to Mm -hmm. shut up and listen to her sister's perspective. And even if you don't agree with it, you need to respect it. Yeah. And that would help work out so many of their problems, but... Like, I appreciate that Taryn's trying to protect her sister. I just... She's being too passive, and it annoys me a little bit. I also don't understand why Jude is being so self-centered in all of her conversations with Taryn. Like, not everything's about you. Her conversations with other boys at the school don't always revolve around you. Like, shut up. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) I, like, I also just had a comment in here. I was like, there's a long game here that Taryn's trying to play that she doesn't know that she's trying to play. And I don't know what the long game is. And I'm, like, trying to figure it out. And I don't like waiting. I'm, like, getting very impatient to, like, know things. And it's frustrating me. I also just... It does happen in book one. I will give you that much. Oh, good. Okay. Well, maybe not. (laughs) You don't have to wait until, like, book two or three. Well, that's (laughs) nice to hear. Uh, Jude also just keeps, in this chapter, she keeps, like, ruminating on that line from Maddox where he says that, like, what she lacks has nothing to do with experience. And it just... The fact that she kept coming back to it and, like, clearly was so hurt by it was just so sad. Like, how do you... Mm-hmm. And it's it's because I haven't been a teenager in a long time, but, like, how do you move past the fact that there's something fundamental to your existence that prevents you from achieving your dreams? And yeah. the person that's supposed to take care of you is the person that's calling out the fact that you don't have that trait. Like, that's super demotivating, and thankfully, Jude doesn't let anything demotivate her. I mean, her. it's demotivating, but Maddox is right. Like, he's being realistic. No, he's, he's being... not gonna fit in, basically. Right, and, like, sucks, I think in, but... in this situation, like, that's 100% true, but I don't know. And this is my own fault, because, you know, I always try to apply fantasy to real life, but it's, like, how many times in history... Did people tell, like, young girls that that wasn't a job for girls and they couldn't do it and they didn't have the strength or the willpower that Jude had and so they just weren't motivated to try hard enough to break those barriers, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. as a teenager, having that dropped on your shoulders from someone that you respect and is supposed to be taking care of you, it's so detrimental to your development and... Like, I'm obviously glad and thankful that Jude has the willpower to, like, push through, but how many people don't have that willpower and that one shitty statement will send them spiraling and prevent them from moving up? Like, it just made me really sad. I don't know. Let's be nice to our kids. Let's motivate them. (laughs) Be realistic. I mean, yeah, be realistic, but motivate them. (laughs) Motivate them. Yeah. (laughs) Don't get crazy. (laughs) No, like... Obviously, not all of our, not everyone's kids can be president. 
Yeah, exactly. We need to stop telling their kids, you can be president one day. (laughs) They're not going to be president. They're not going to be the next Brad Pitt. (laughs) But they can try and they should receive support for it. Exactly. But. And then, right, it's that nice quote. It's like, you shoot for the moon, you land among the stars. It's not astronomically correct, (laughs) but it's a really sweet thought. You shoot for the moon, you're going to die, but... (laughs) We don't, we don't need that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's a true. good metaphor. We're sending don't women take it back to the moon. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, anyway. Anyways. Um, that's I parenting also... advice from us. <laughs> Who are probably... I'm never going to be a parent, at least at this same, point. Same. Same. I'm never going to be a parent. Oh, God. I'll raise I can't my imagine. cats with that. With that. Um... Mindset, cats you know? don't like shoot the, for the moon. Cats are cats realists totally on their own. The cats try every day to be the king of the, their house. And I will support my future cat in that endeavor. You heard it here first. <laughs> You're a great cat mom, Julie. I'm so proud I'm of you. I'm going to be a great cat mom. <laughs> I'm very excited. I, okay, I also, like, we get this little breakdown of the Greenbrier banner. And mm-hmm. you probably knew that I was going to pick this apart. Because <laughs> I just need more context. Like, up to this point, right, we've heard about the High King of Fairy. And you hear about all these different kinds of fairies that all supposedly live harmoniously in the realm. Whatever it is. But then, <laughs> then, we get the Greenbrier Banner, which is... Flower, white flowers and thorns and then roots growing out. So it's like three separate things. And apparently Mm -hmm. that, with a crown on top, and apparently that represents the fact that the Greenbriars unified the Seely Court, the Unseely Court, and the Wild Fae. So first off, in representations, I'm guessing the white flowers are the Seelys, the thorns are the Unseelys, and the roots are the Wild Fae. But what are the differences between these groups? Is it a species difference? Is it an affiliation we difference? We meet many of them later on. And they tell us. Yes. If someone's a Seelie versus an Unseelie. Yes. So, like, are all the Greenbriars and Maddox Seelies? Are they a mix? That's actually a good question. I, I, I'm worried because I think that their lineage is called into question later on. Okay. I'm not sure if it, if it affects the plot or how it affects the plot. Okay, you don't have don't to tell me. So, I'll just tell you my prediction is that the Seelies are, like, the gentry. So, it's not necessarily a species thing, but it's, like, the higher power, mm-hmm. the gentry. The Unseelies are, like, the dark side where you get into, like, hags and, like, dark elves and like that Mm -hmm. crazy stuff that's the unseelies but they're still listening and then the wild fae are like the imps (laughs) like the smaller creatures about right (laughs) this is my prediction based on my limited fairy knowledge (laughs) unseely (laughs) is just a weird term like i just don't enjoy that term i want something else it sounds like unhinged right it's just it's weird or, like, they were Seelies, and then that, like, they discarded mod- it. it just mm-hmm. got stripped away from them, which would explain why they'd be evil. 
Like, I could get on board yeah. with that then. But it's, I don't know, it's, I don't want it to be, like, elves and orcs, where orcs are, <laughs> like, messed up elves. Like, that's not what I want to see here. I don't even know if orcs are in this. I would hope not. That's a oh. Tolkien-only thing, yeah. for the most part. It's not based in mythology. Um, oh, I've just learned something new. I didn't know that. Yeah. Because they show up in other things now, too, so. I don't think they showed up before Lord of the Rings, though. Before Tolkien. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Or maybe they. something new every day. Yeah, because I feel like they're in, like, Aragon, for example, yeah. but he was super influenced by Tolkien works. Christopher mm-hmm. Paolini is a huge Tolkien fan. Um, which explains why there's no diversity in either of those book series. <laughs> oh, God. Happens yeah. when you have white men write books. Uh, okay. I also just... If you know this, can you please confirm this for me? I don't care if it's a spoiler. Please tell me. Taryn had sex consensually. And she wasn't raped uh, under an enchantment. N- no, I don't think she was under enchantment. No. Okay. So it was I, it, consensual. I, I'm, like, pretty sure it was consensual. I don't remember how it happened, but yeah. Okay. Okay. That makes me feel... I just got, like, really panicky because it was Cardin and he was making yeah. statements and I was like... <laughs> it's not Cardin. I mean, well, I, I got that. Spoils anything, but yeah. No, that was clear. I think because the way he said it, he's like, "I could get her to yeah. do this because she wants to win our favor so bad." But I wouldn't be the first one to have done this. So, like yeah. the way he phrases it, you know, it's not him. But I just, uh, I don't trust anything. I got worried there was sexual assault in our last book. I just assume it's everywhere now because trauma porn is a thing that authors love to bring into their books nowadays so it's an easy plot device it is and i but i do okay one thing i really loved about this chapter is when cardin not when jude is going off on cardin that was the jude that i love like i, I loved know. every <laughs> it's like she came back out piece of that i was like oh she wasn't being super reckless she was just strong, brave, a little stupid, not fully thinking through the consequences, but in such a good way. Like, I was just so proud of her for standing up to a bully. And, and she didn't make it physical, which I was right, proud of her for. Right, she wasn't savage. She was just, like, strong yeah. with her words, which was a big improvement <laughs> We love <for> that. <laughs> also, I just, the one line I really love from this is, I'm going to shame you with my defiance. Like, damn, girl. What a line. Uh, so, yeah, that's... Loved that. And then, so I'll just read you my notes. This might be a little messy because it was kind of stream of consciousness. But for the end of the mm-hmm. chapter, I'm like, wait, what? Out of nowhere. Locke is flirting. I think Jude is into it. That's not good. Don't mess with the group, Jude. They're going to get you and betray you. Cardin now knows that pain and misery is not what will break her, and I would not put it past him to have Locke sidle up to her, win her trust, make her love him, and then break her heart. (laughs) You are a pessimist now with these guys. Whoa. (laughs) You went in on him. Okay. We'll see if you're right. I still think 
lock is setting a trap. I don't know why I'm, like, so strung up on this. I know it's probably wrong, and that he's kind of, like, the black sheep of the group. Like, I can, I get it, but I can't buy into it yet. Like, I need something stronger from him before I can trust that it's actually true. He was flirting with her, right? Like, I'm not making that up. No, it's flirting. And she was flirting. She was into it. Mm -hmm. Which I don't like. Like, Jude, no. I know. I need you to not have a romantic interest in this book. What do you want? I know, but she has two (laughs) potential love interests and their friends. One's enemies to lovers, one's something else I don't know how to describe, and, like, it's gonna be another love triangle, isn't it? Another why I love triangle is coming our way. Something like that, maybe. I don't know. You do know, you just don't want to tell me. That's (laughs) fine. Okay, that's all I had for chapter nine. I had, like I said, lots of thoughts. Chapter ten? Chapter ten. Prince Dane. Hmm. Do we even, like, learn his approximate age? I don't think we do, do we? Too old for Jude. (laughs) That's a great way of putting it. Okay, so (laughs) Prince Dane is too old for Jude years old. (laughs) Um, I I remember the first time I read this, I liked him so much. Because I was like, I felt like he understood what Jude wanted. And knew how exactly to, like, and this sounds so bad, but, like, how to use her, essentially. Like, not put her on the front lines, at, like, not to make her a knight, because she would just not do well there. But to use her in this court of shadows to be a spy. So um, by so use, that way she's not... do you mean utilize? Yes. Okay. I just want to make a distinction, because he could use <laughs> her in a nefarious way, but utilize is, no, like, no, no, strategizing. No, 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 no. Use her like a pawn. Um, so she literally hides in the shadows, isn't seen by anyone, she can blend in, she's mortal, no one's gonna think better, because she's just immortal, and she mm-hmm. can lie, like, this is perfect for her. Mm-hmm. Um, am I worried about the pact that she has made with him? Yes, but again, first time I read this, I was like, that's okay if he, like, has to use her for that, but... You're like, yeah, that seems reasonable. <laughs> Like, it's fine. <laughs> now I'm like, oh, hold on. Spoiler alert. It's not fine. It's not fine. But he comes off as very empathetic empathetic somehow. And I don't Those know. Those are the ones you can't trust. Exactly. I know. I know. You warned um, me. And now I'm like literally so distrustful of every fairy. <laughs> I do think that's interesting that he didn't talk to Maddox about this. Like, I understand he wants to keep this secret, right? But, like, you would still think, like, you would talk to someone's elder about them doing this. Unless you're preying on the child. She's still young. Okay. Okay, let's, like, okay, what do you have to say about Chapter 10? Let's get there. Okay, so before I get to the Prince Dane stuff, there were two things. Okay. Um, first off, like, they keep every chapter where there's, like, gatherings of fairies. Holly Black keeps throwing in a random new term 
that's supposed to denote a type of fairy. So I keep looking them up because I'm like, what the hell you is need this to make thing? You a dictionary. I need a dictionary, but like, there's this one she mentions, Gwillians. So I looked that up because I'd never heard that before, and it is a Welsh hag or witch with some kind of malevolent intent. And I'm like, this seems like a stretch to be considered fae. Mm-hmm. Just putting that out there. Like, Hollerblock, I think you're reaching a little bit. I feel like she put in, like, she looked up all of these, or, like, has learned about all of these different magical creatures, and she was like, I'm going to put all of my favorites in this book. And I appreciate that. Like, that's what I would do if I could write a full novel. Would be, like, all of my favorite lore going into this book. <laughs> well, I'm, like, I'm on board with that. But if you're setting it in a fairy world... I feel like it should be limited to fairy mythology. Whereas, like, when you have a world no like The Witcher, <laughs> when you have a world like The Witcher, you can have all of it. Yeah. So, just saying. I don't know. It, it's fine. I looked it up. It was a throwaway thing. I just didn't. <laughs> it felt like a stretch to me. That's all I have to say. I also uh, will still not give up on the hill that I will die on that Maddox is planning a coup. So Jude thinks that Maddox was upset. Or no, Jude thinks that Maddox so would be upset. So you think the coup isn't happening at the summer, summer tournament now, though? Because that's over. Well, it didn't happen at the summer tournament, so it clearly has to happen later, I guess. <laughs> okay. I'm not done with the idea of a coup. Because we're holding on to this. It's suspicious that he left and never came back and then wasn't in his office. Where did Maddox disappear to? What's he doing? Why aren't we hearing about him? True. Also, also, Dane got her completely alone because somehow his sister took her two sisters to go hunting in the woods. Predatory. Like... Some, maybe they did something to Maddox, and Maddox's not planning a coup because they, like, killed him. I don't know, but, like, something <laughs> They killed him in the hunt. <laughs> maybe they hunted Maddox. That's what it was. No, but, like, okay, I'm getting way off track. I just, Jude thought that Maddox so would be, Jude thought that Maddox so would be. so all over the place. Let me finish my thought. I got it. Okay. Jude thought that Maddox would be upset that she was at odds with the Prince of the Greenbrier line, right? And he, so mm-hmm. she was like worried that Cardin would tell Maddox. But I'm just saying, I don't think Maddox would be that upset because he's planning a coup against the Greenbriers. So it's fine. Okay. He doesn't care that she's fighting with Tartan. It's fine. So you think the coup, what what is the coup going to be for? Like, he's just done? He wants to be king of, of the folk now? No, I think he wants chaos. I think he just wants to he commit a coup. Chaos. So he can soak his cap, Julia. But then what happens after that? Like, it's in his interests. Right, if he is currently basically the right hand of the king, it's it's in his interest to keep a stable environment so that he can keep. I think it's in his interest to wage war, so he's gonna do whatever he can to make war be waged. 
Okay. <laughs> this also may have been influenced because before I read the book today, I was watching the Lightning Thief musical. Mm. Oh my god. And yeah. I'm just like <laughs> very much reminded of Ares who stole Zeus's lightning bolt so that he could make war just so he could have war even though he knew it was a bad idea. Yep. That's probably okay. where a lot of this is coming from. Anyways, Dane. <laughs> I did find it funny that, funny is probably not the right word, but Jude's whole reaction when she, like, realizes that Dane is there and she's, like, freaking out that Cardin sent Dane (laughs) to punish her, I just thought it was, like, the perfect example of how destructive anxiety is for the brain as clearly evidenced by myself on this podcast and all of my destructive, anxious theories for this book. But, like, in what world would the future heir, older brother, go on a mission for his asshole little brother that he doesn't even like to go torture a 17-year-old girl? (laughs) The heir to the throne has better things to do. That is true. That is very true. But, of course, she has all this anxiety about Cardin, so, like, she doesn't realize that, so she jumps to conclusions. This is why taking care of our mental health is important. <laughs> PSA. PSA. Also, yes. don't listen to me as I jump to 900 conclusions with a book I have no context I'm loving all of these for. conclusions. Man, I need to start keeping track of all of them. There's so many going on. <laughs> It's, it's a lot. Well, it's why I was editing the intro to this podcast book, uh, or to this, I was editing the podcast intro to this book, and you made a comment that you were like, I'm just going to, like, check in with you every couple of weeks to see who you think Jude can actually trust and see how that oh, changes yeah. from week to week. You should start that. Where are you at? She Wait, finish trust- chapter 10, and then we'll come back to this. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> we're, we're all over the place. I don't trust Dane, which is actually my next thought. Mm-hmm. I literally wrote, I am so distrustful of Dane, so you have an answer to that, at least. Um, but I do really love the way that he speaks. Like, he has this line, Desire is an odd thing. As soon as it is sated, it transmutes. If we receive golden thread... We desire the golden needle. Like, that's poetic, dude. Love that. He is a folk. He is trained. He is the next king. He has to speak like that. I just, I love that line. It was I know. so <laughs> sultry in a Holly way that Black it should really loves to show off sometimes. You can tell. I'm here for it. I love, like, fanciful wordplay as long as it's not Dickens. As long as it's not the entire novel. <laughs> mm-hmm. Then I'm good. Yeah, so that, I really liked that. Um, also, these next couple of thoughts, like, I don't even know, I have to figure out how I'm going to break this, break this down. Uh, so this is all after the gaze has been given. Mm-hmm. I just wrote, oh no, this is so bad. I'm stressed with how bad this is. Why are these chapter ends causing me so much stress? What if Maddox doesn't support Dane for whatever reason? 
What if Dane compels her to murder her family? What if this is actually all a trick from Cardin and he's getting Dane to lower her defenses until she doesn't wear Rowan berries anymore and then Dane is going to make her do something horrific so Cardin can get revenge? I'm so scared. And then, also, <laughs> God, why would this dumbass girl accept this so instantaneously? She doesn't know this guy, doesn't know what spying's going to entail, and while she thinks she's signing up for the correct side, she probably isn't. She should think through her decisions more. He probably got Rhea to get her sisters away from her so he could get her alone to trick her into this. <laughs> you have a dark mind. Okay. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Is anything that I just said true? Uh. I want to say mostly no. Damn it. I don't think that's giving away anything. No. I could be wrong. I could be missing a small detail, but I don't think it's anything that's like huge that it moves the plot. Is it? You know? So everything's a lot tamer than was. <laughs> It's not Tamer, no. Oh, no! <laughs> well, definitely not. <laughs> mm-hmm. Great. Um, but yeah, basically, long story short, my feelings about this chapter are Jude should not have accepted that so quickly. I don't trust Dane. This is going to get misused. Something bad's going to happen to her. Bad yeah, but things think are about coming. it. For the rest of her life here in the Folkland, um, she uh, no longer has to wear, unless she's around Dane, which presumably, like, I would presume the um, Rowan Bears still work around Dane, but I don't know. I would um, hope so. I know. But that and was for the my... rest of her life, she is immune to enchantment, so she doesn't have to worry about the Rowan Berry. Well, that's true. And nobody knows. Nobody else knows. But that's like my fourth or fifth point down is that Dane's trying to lower her defenses so that she feels safe. Oh, I'm talking like at large besides just Dane. Think at large. Nobody knows that she has this gears now. So she can pretend it'll make her a good spy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just... I'm thinking like a Slytherin here. You're thinking like... (laughs) I'm thinking like a Hufflepuff, to be honest with you. You are. so scared. You're spending too much time on Taryn. (laughs) You're too worried about Taryn now. I'm just worried about everyone. I want everyone to be okay. (laughs) They're all little sweet babies. I want to protect them. Yeah, you will. But that's, that's what I had for chapter 10. Okay. Good. Pop culture? Or do you want to do the trust thing? Oh, yes. Let's do the trust thing. I'm really interested in this. Okay. The only person (laughs) that Jude can trust is Vivi. Okay. (laughs) Great. Love that. Is there anyone who surprised you so far? Actually, I think that she can also trust Nikasia. She can trust her to okay. continue to be terrible, but not in the worst oh, possible way. That, like, like, wow. She can there? trust her to continue to be terrible, but not in, like, an escalatory way. 
Like, she's just kind of going to stay at the same. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's a pretty good assumption, I would say. Yeah. It is, do you think anyone... Oh, who surprised me so far? Yeah. That was that was your question? Uh, Taryn has surprised me. Because she's Cause... not turning out nice and docile. No, she's she very, is very nice passive. and... She's very like passive. too, too docile. Right. The, well, I think the thing is that, like, it's, I think the thing that surpri- was surprising to me in these chapters was that she clearly has, like, a whole separate side of her life that Jude knows nothing about. Which yeah. is interesting that she wouldn't share it with her twin. Like, I obviously am not surprised by the fact that she has been sexually active with a fairy because, like, clearly she wants to settle down and have babies so like good for her but i was surprised that that was something that you didn't know about but carden did (laughs) just a little sketch um who also surprised me i guess dane also surprised me because like i based on the descriptions of him in the first couple of chapters he seemed very just like not noble is not necessarily the right word but like concerned with the you know like above ground like on the record noble kind of activity that supports the kingdom like the knights and all of this like nobility Hmm. and honor um so to hear that he's actually more interested in building out this, like, underground secret spy network was a little surprising. Yeah. Because it means he has a capacity for darkness. But, yeah. Well, darkness or is it defense? It can be both. Mm, Okay. You can have a dark defense because you can be defensive and be honorable in your defenses. True, true, true. (laughs) I'm thinking, like, (laughs) self-defense. Yeah, like, but in, you're thinking about it in a Slytherin way, uh, and I'm like, my brain just doesn't do that. Uh, <laughs> okay, which is, okay. Which is funny, because Slytherin, well, actually, no, it's not, because Slytherin's my third house, so I'm not very cunning in that way. Um, but, yeah, I think that's it. Those are the only two that everyone else feels very, like, true to their characters as they're Mm -hmm. progressing other than jude but like i don't have the capacity to be surprised by her because she's so inconsistent that like i'm just all right whatever choices she makes fine (laughs) okay yep pop culture then pop culture what do you got for chapter nine pop culture okay i know i've said this before i'm gonna continue saying it but like the boys over flowers parallel it just gets me every single time like we really get it now with jihu and Locke, like breaking away from the group and showing and talking shit and talking shit and talking shit yeah like we're really getting that now Mm -hmm. and like carden like like why does Cardin spend so much of his time worried about making this girl's life hell? And it's the same thing with Jim Pio. Why did he spend so much time making John D's life pure hell? Because he liked her. Because he liked but, her. But, like, they 
neither of them are going to accept that, right? So they just keep lashing out. It's boys over flowers, but fantasy style. It's true. I actually, this was the first chapter that I felt, I don't know why, and it doesn't really fit, but I I got a Marauders vibe. But oh, like, if you're thinking about it one. from Snape's perspective, right? And Jude being Snape. Yeah. Because <laughs> then you still have the excuse for why Cardin keeps picking on her, and it's because... You know, like, I mean, different for Snape and James, obviously, but, like, James kept picking on Snape because Lily was friends with Snape, and he wanted Mm -hmm. to cut Lily out of that, like, toxic relationship. Um, So I think Cardin is James, Valerian is Sirius, Locke is Remus, and Nikasia is Peter. Yeah, I like that. That's a pretty good parallel. I like yeah. that a lot. My Marauder. Mm-hmm. I want a Marauder, Marauder's TV show so badly. It hurts. Have you been watching the Noble House of Black stuff on YouTube? No. Oh my god! I'll find it on YouTube and I'll send it to you. Um, the girl that made made my um, wall in my guest room, like mm-hmm. that company that the girl started it, like literally in quarantine. Uh, and was, like, posting stuff on TikTok, and it's, like, blown up into this, like, huge little small business. And her and her sister and her cousin have also been making a YouTube series about the three black sisters. So, like, Bellatrix, Narcissa, and Andromeda. Oh, my God. And it's set in the time, like, right when they're in Hogwarts or, like, coming right out of Hogwarts. It's so cute. They do a really good job. Oh, I have I to look it. that up. Thank she posted on her TikToks and stuff. Um, so, yeah. Anyways, it's really cute. But a, a full Marauders thing would be amazing. There is a really good Marauders audio drama podcast oh. called The Wizarding War that you might like. I There was some French thing going around, I think, at some point with, like, I'm trying to remember. It was something with Harry Potter. I should look it up if it ever got posted. Anyway, off topic. Yep. What else you got for chapter nine? Um, I think that was it. What do you have? Uh, okay. So, staying true to Harry Potter, Taryn has this line to Jude, and she says, "No matter how brave or clever or even cruel you are, Jude," and that struck me because. No offense to Slytherin, but she's hitting three of the four Hogwarts houses, right? <laughs> like, you got Gryffindor, Brave, Ravenclaw, Clever, Cruel, Slytherin, but not the house that Taryn probably identifies with, which is Hufflepuff, and that's the one we know Jude could literally never be. Yeah. And it just struck me that it's like, really, Jude could be in any of those other three houses, depending on the day and the mood. But she can never be what Taryn is. And, like, it just mm-hmm. further shows that, like, polar opposites thing that they have going on. We should try one day to not make any Harry Potter references. I think this was our tenth one in this one episode. <laughs> I just realized this. I just think about the world in terms of Hogwarts houses. I know. Like, I don't know how know. to turn it off anymore. I've literally stopped dating guys because of their Hogwarts house. <laughs> 
Like, oh, we don't vibe. <laughs> I just don't know how to... I do it to everything. I'm so sorry, podcast listeners, if you don't like Harry Potter. I don't... You're like people who really follow horoscopes, but it's Harry Potter style. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh, God, it's not wrong. Uh, my next one's not a Harry Potter reference. Oh, uh, what a letdown. I'm sure I have more in here. Don't worry. Um, okay. <laughs> there's something about, like, Tatterfell braiding her hair and, like, lovingly chiding her right before she's about to go into battle that really reminded me of, like, Cinna prepping Katniss before the Hunger oh. Games. <laughs> yeah, except that Cinna was much, like, more affectionate, I would say. I know, but and the stakes also weren't as high. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. It just, again, like, most of my pop culture references are not good. I just, things trigger other thoughts yeah, in me. Yeah, I, and I I'm get like, that. Ah, <laughs> the Hunger Cinna. Games. Cinna. That, that casting um, with Lenny Kravitz was probably the best casting ever. Like, so I don't good. think I could ever imagine a different Cinna in that role. No. It was so good. (laughs) I just, like, I love, like, Cinnamon was great in the books, Cinnamon was great in the movies. It's one of my favorite things I look forward to in the first two movies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love Cinnamon. Okay, next one, another line that triggered me. But Maddox says, I know what it is to be young and hunger for glory. And my brain immediately started singing Hamilton. (laughs) I'm young, scrappy, and hungry. No, it's when George Washington was like, Oh, you were young and dreamed of glory. Like that part. Who lives, who dies, who tells your story. Sorry for people. I didn't actually try to sing there. Um, But it kind of reminded me of like George Washington singing to Hamilton that he's like, I relate Mm -hmm. to you. I was you when I was younger, but this is not the best course of action for you. Like you need to Mm -hmm. stop. Like, do not go get yourself killed in battle, because that is not actually glory. And I don't think Maddox has as honorable motives as George Washington. Um, But the sentiment felt the same, that it's like, you have bigger things that you can do in life. Do not try to get yourself killed right now. Yeah. And, yeah, I just... Good fun. Love Hamilton. So, Cruel Prince, the musical inspired by Hamilton, coming soon. <laughs> to a TikTok account near you. Do what you did to Ratatouille, I, I internet. I to see that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, okay, I just, this, if you can do this in a non-spoiler way, that'd mm-hmm. be great. Are these Seelies the same kinds of Seelies that we see in, like, Mortal Instruments, or is it a different take on the word? I think it's, like, a direct inspiration from the Moral Instruments, but I could be wrong. That wouldn't surprise me. Okay, so it's really, like, that, like... (laughs) Considering Holly Black and Cassie Clare are, like, best buds, (laughs) I don't think it's (laughs) far-fetched. Okay. All right. That's that's what I figured. I just didn't want to make assumptions, but I like to know how I should be framing my thoughts about things as I read them. I feel like The Cruel Prince is, like, very loosely a fan fiction of (laughs) of the Moral Instruments. Not wrong. Not wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, and I know I've said this next one before, but I'm going to say it again with a different spin. 
The royal family just keeps reminding me of Greek gods. <laughs> it's like, I think the first time I said it, I said that Balakin reminds me of Dionysus. Yeah, he did. Now, we. this is the first time we've met Rhea, and I'm getting Artemis vibes. Oh. Like, the huntress, you know? Like, she didn't yeah. show up to the big ball, because she doesn't really want to be part of the grandeur and, like, dealing mm-hmm. with all of the stupidity she just wants to be like out in the woods living her best life and then she's really good in battle can like kick ass which artemis can she's a strong Mm -hmm. fighter and she goes off into the woods to do hunting and who comes with her two other girls artemis was a forever virgin and had a packet of like little baby huntresses that would like follow her around who also i would love to like once we finish book one to like reflect on that and see if any of the others, but as we learn more about them, mm-hmm. have parallels to Greek gods. Because you're kind of actually really right. That's so true. Huh. Interesting. Good Again, Good observation. I watched The Lightning Thief today, so oh. Greek gods are <laughs> top of mind. <laughs> I was like, oh, let me go look up some Greek gods after this. And you're I like, mean, let me go watch. <laughs> I love Greek mythology i'm obsessed with greek mythology it's It's so interesting it's a problem i just found my one of my greek mythology books actually that's really Mm. funny it's coincidence it's fate fate but not the fates not the fates (laughs) also percy jackson because they also play capture the flag with swords Oh. It's the exact same game. Interesting. Percy Jackson plays it with real swords because they're not pussies, but, um... (laughs) (laughs) They're trying to protect their young. As she said, there's not a lot of kids in this world. Like, they don't want them dying off. No one dies in Percy Jackson, and they're, like, 12. Just saying. (laughs) Yeah, but have you seen Cardin's Wrath? (laughs) Fair. Let's not give him a sword. No, let's not give, give him anything near sharp as a sword. But, I mean, so at Camp Half-Blood, they do play Capture the Flag through the woods. Um, so this just felt a little bit reminiscent of that, even though it's a different layout of the game. And they obviously don't call it Capture the Flag, but that's what it was. So, hmm. Percy Jackson was top of mind. Again, the Capture the Flag was the thing in the lightning thief but i would have thought of that anyways i think (laughs) probably i should not have sent you that link (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna watch hades town next yes that'll be tomorrow if i love hades town i'm so excited i've loved the soundtrack i've been listening to it but i flowers is like the song that if i could sing any song in the world I would want to sing that one song. You can sing every song in the world, Julia. Well, I can sing it, but I mean sing it well. <laughs> like, so that people aren't going to want to shut their ears. <laughs> uh, anyways, that was all of my, with the Marauders thing, that mm-hmm. was all of my uh, chapter nine pop culture references. Nice. I like the Greek god one so much. I'm literally going to go look this up afterwards. Well, that's how we're going to style my bedroom, is we're going to do Greek god-inspired. Yeah bedroom we just need to find a bed frame that works with it so i can order it i still need help julia please help me 
I know. I like. I need to help you. I know. Ooh. I'm not trying to put pressure on you. I just like can't no. make the decision. I've tried. I need, I'm gonna help you. I'm gonna help you. Okay. Anyway, chapter ten. Pop culture reference. Um. I had one, which was that Prince Dane and the confrontation with um, Jude reminded me a lot of Peter Pan when Hook brings Wendy on board and is like, I have a deal. Like, you can be the secret pirate and Peter's not going to know. And, like, you'll have this special name and only we will know and we'll give you protection, etc., etc., etc. That reminded me, like, that whole thing reminded me so much of Peter Pan. So, like, in my mind, Prince Zane kind of is, like, this Hook character. <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> it's not quite what I want. <laughs> um, I support it. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I don't think I have anything else. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, I think first off, I there was a lot of, like, not necessarily direct comparisons, but just, like, represent, me, media representations that were triggered from, like, reading about the battle and, like, how the royal court or the royal family got their, like, own special box and then observed everything. Because, like, that's very medieval, right? Like, that happens... <laughs> in so many different stories. Um, but I was just, like, thinking about, like, how that gets applied then in different worlds and, like, in different stories set in those more, like, medieval time frames. So I think a good characterization um, is Merlin, right? Where, like, Uther yeah. and Morgana are always up, like, watching Arthur almost die. <laughs> Every single time. Every single time he almost and ignoring dies. ignoring Berlin coming to his rescue. Just doing magic off the side. Mm-hmm. But, like, it, it felt, that one felt really reminiscent because they're, the kids from the royal family were actually fighting in the battle. So it, like, yeah. made sense. Uh, Game of Thrones as well, obviously, yeah. is a good representation of that. Um, and then a more violent representation that's a little bit far off but it triggered me so i'm mentioning it was uh i think it's called like storm and tempest i have to look up the actual book but it's the newest tamora pierce book so the duology that isn't finished um Mm -hmm. from the new mayor chronicles i think is the name of the series and that kind of followed more of like gladiator style fighting where you have like the full arena and then like, slaves fighting Mm. in the pits, but you spend time with the, like, royal family or, like, the governing family in the box, so it reminded me of it from when I read that book. And then I think the one that fits the closest is the Witcher video game. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Because you go to, in the expansion pack, Blood and Wine, you go to this land called Toussaint, which is supposed to be based off of France, loosely. And they have this, like, sprawling complex, which is, like, this entire festival. And that one, it's a little bit more, like, the duchy 
and the family of the duchy is in a box but the box is on level ground with the people fighting in the tournament so you have that more like close quarters you're literally on the ground with and can see everything that's going on um and it kind of reminded me of the quest that you have to do in that part of the game because as Geralt you have to pretend to be someone that you're not and fight as a knight so that you can actually enter the tournament uh, because you can't just enter as a, a witcher. You have to have been born of like that noble blood. So it kind of like tied into all mm-hmm. of the hesitation and like fear that Jude had been feeling. Anyway, sorry, that was long-winded. I just had like 700 <laughs> pop culture references from the fight. I read a lot of medieval stuff and play a lot of medieval stuff, I guess. Um, I also thought, and this is a deep cut, so I apologize, but the metaphor that Jude uses to describe Dane when he's looking at Jude, she says that he looks pleased, smiling at her as if he'd found a rough ruby lying in the dirt, and immediately I was like, oh my god, He's Jafar. Jude is Aladdin. She's the diamond in the oh rough. Oh god! Oh my god! That tell is me, interesting. Tell me I'm wrong. Your mind. Your mind. I don't. I don't know how this happens. It just does. <laughs> okay. So she but is tell the diamond me I'm, in the rough. Tell me I'm wrong, though. <laughs> It's just imagery. Like, it's just, you know, a ruby, a diamond. They're very close. Okay. <laughs> and, but it makes sense, because I clearly think that Dane wants to use her for nefarious purposes, which is like what Jafar wanted to do to Aladdin. Yes. <laughs> so, just saying. Uh, he also asks her what she desires and, like, keeps pushing her to try to get to her true desire, which, again, feels like a more nefarious version of the Mirror of Erised. Where she's, like, thinking about, like, what it actually is that she really wants. And so I, then I just spent a lot of time, like, sitting there thinking about how not being able to be enchanted would show up in the Mirror of Erised. And I got really distracted. <laughs> <laughs> again, your mind. <laughs> how do you get to these things? I incredible. don't know. I'm like, yeah, Peter Pan. You're like, the Mirror of Eris said, I wonder what happens with enchantments. <laughs> Isn't this why you wanted to do this podcast with me? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, this is for me to, to just have pure entertainment um, supplied by you. Yep. I also, the way he was phrasing everything about, like, asking her to be his spy and, like, the things he was asking her to do... This is, I wrote this in all caps, so forgive me. Um, I'm re-listening to Crooked Kingdom right now as an audiobook rather than reading it, because I just recently finished Six of Crows, and Inej, when I was taking these notes at least, was still captured by Van Eck, and so I was just having, I was in my feelings a lot about Inej and Kaz, and so when Dane was, like, asking her to be this spy, I was like, oh my god, he's asking her to be his wraith, I'm crying, I can't. Oh my god. 
So yeah. my heart was just hurting a lot, so I wrote a lot of all caps commentary that really has nothing to do with the cruel prince. My heart was just still six, six hurting from Crooked Kingdom. <laughs> Again, Harry Potter, Six of Crows. We are cursed. Cursed. I tell you. And Mortal Instruments. And Mortal Instruments. Actually, that's true. But that that's a more direct line because... Also, like, it's a I think series I haven't read. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. You're doing your best. I'm. I, it's, it's also a book series I haven't read in, like, probably ten years at this point. So. Okay, but it should count for something that I'm on season three of Shadowhunters. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I still sure. love the show. I think it's great. Um... Uh-huh. <laughs> Okay, I also, the, so the, the Gia's, the Gia's, whatever <laughs> we're calling them, um, the idea that, right, they come with an Achilles heel, basically, like, there's a catch yeah. to all of them, like, A, it ties to all of the folklore around, like, gins, it's not genies, but gins, and how they would always, mm-hmm. this is like a witcher thing, right? There's that they, always a thing. There's yeah. always a catch um, to the wish that you get granted. Like, it happens in, the, happens in the witcher, it happens in the first season of the TV show, happens in the first book, happens in the video game. It's a big thing with gins in the witcher series. But, also... It reminded me of the way she was describing some of them, where she was like, oh, like, you can say that you don't want to be harmed by wood unless it's the wood from, like, this one very specific type of tree, and it just so happens that your biggest enemy is fond of making his arrows out of that tree, right? Like, that that was the the catch in, in the Gius. Um, and it really reminded me of the white oak tree that you use to kill originals in the vampire diaries <laughs> okay because like yeah. the magic has to be built with a catch so that it can be undone again right mm-hmm. so like they yep. built the white oak stake that michael had and then they would dip the daggers in the white oak ash to like keep them subdued um and they couldn't do anything about it like that was their one weakness and so i just love the trend in literature that it's like even with this jude will still maintain her one weaklet weakness because you can't create those invincibilities in characters otherwise it's boring hmm. nice okay and then my last question question yeah it's a question because i can't give this pop culture reference okay yet have you finished reading girl serpent thorn no, I just renewed my loan. <laughs> Have you gotten halfway? I got through the first 20 pages or so. Okay, so I'm not making this last pop culture reference then. Okay, save it for me for for next week. It's halfway. I'll try and read halfway then for next week. I think it's halfway. I mean, it's been a while. I read it last year. Um, okay. And I, like, read through it so fast. But basically... I won't spoil anything, but the the scenario with, like, Dane and Jude gave me, like, vibes of a scenario that happens in Girl, Serpent, Thorn. Um, okay. So I will, I'll make a note to talk about that with you. 
later. Wait, fact. offline. Oh, we'll do it offline. We don't need to do it on the podcast. I need to read it. I want to read it. I just have not done it. <laughs> no, I totally get that. Ugh, I've literally renewed it twice. Somebody at the library hates me. <laughs> I want you to finish it so, like, I someone else understands all of the feelings that I, I had about it. It is exactly. It like it sounds like it's right up my alley. I just need to actually sit down and read it. It's a feminist fairy tale. It's great. I got so into Shakespeare from Chloe Gong, so I was like in a rabbit hole. I will say, so I think I can confidently say this since I've only have a couple like since I only have 40 pages left. This is the only time these violent delights is the only time I've ever actually enjoyed Romeo and Juliet. Uh, what do you think of Mercutio and Benvolio? I love them. They're so cute. Oh my gosh. She did such a good job with them. I was like, what a adorable. But like their whole little Benedict being like awkward because Marshall touched his cheek. (laughs) I also just like that she doesn't, okay, this is like completely off topic. Like, I love that she doesn't, we'll talk about this later, but she doesn't rush anything. Right. Like, nothing feels like they're like, like, let's kiss. And she even says this on her Twitter. She's like, I'm not the type of author who's going to write a book where they kiss right away. Like, they're going to, like, brush hands. And that's it. <laughs> and I was like, I love that and hate it all at once. This is a girl who has grown up watching K-dramas or something of the yes. sort. <laughs> it's so true, though. Because they taught you with, like, eye stares and hand brushes <laughs> hours and you're like am i being held captive why am i still watching this but then, then we kiss. have holly black over here with cruel princess she's like we're just gonna have them hate each other for the entire first book <laughs> honestly it's, so it's easier than knowing that they like each other and you just not being able to see that realized i'm just like because <laughs> like right now if, like, Jude and Cardin kissed, I would be very concerned and upset. I, I'd be like, same. No. No, They're no. We're near that right now. <laughs> that has not been appropriately developed. They are both terrible to each other. Uh, oh, yep. Yeah. That is accurate. Um, anyways. So, more anyway. pop culture references that have nothing to do with the actual no. book. It's fine. Um, okay. All right. Well, let's get into our MVPs, Julia. Who Who's your MVP for the week? My MVP, I think, has to be Maddox because of mm. his parental guidance. Like, he's trying to be a good parent, trying to tell her, like, don't do this. I'm worried about you. This is for your own safety. Like, I understand. He's empathizing. He's like, I understand where you're coming from. But also be realistic. Is he being motivating? No, but he, like, it's, he's being a realistic yeah. father type figure, which right. I can appreciate because I think that Jude needs some parental guidance in her life right now. Oh, <laughs> She is <yes>. unhinged. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, so, yeah. Um, I'm torn. So, I just want to reconfirm here. Tarn's sex was consensual, right? I believe it was, yeah. Okay, like she was excited about it. She wasn't manipulated into it or anything. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, then I'm going to give my MVP to to Taryn because I stand a sex positive queen living her best life and doing things no matter what her family thinks, if she thinks it's best for her. Gotcha, gotcha. Nothing to do with the actual chapters. Um, otherwise, like, I would probably pick Locke just because I like him. And I don't want to, but I like him. <laughs> you are turning into Jude. I don't want to, but I am gonna like him. <laughs> I'm like, but it's it's like one of those things where it's like I'll crush on him from like a far distance. I don't want him to get okay. anywhere near me or know I exist. <laughs> he looks nice, and that's it. <laughs> and he's a nice, seemingly nice person. Yeah, seemingly. Um, so it's kind of one of those things that's, like, how you crush on, like, actors, right? It's, like, you don't ever actually want to meet them in real life. You just want to look at their beauty from far away and watch yeah. them be politically active on Twitter and enjoy it. it. Yeah. Me, aka how much I love Dylan O'Brien. <laughs> He's so liberal and I love it. <laughs> His it's Twitter like feed bands. So <laughs> True. <laughs> all right so Maddox and Taryn look at us also can I just say I've been like keeping track of it this time um so I have it we so far is Maddox winning Maddox is winning oh god we've oh, had no. four episodes and Maddox has been selected in three out of the four episodes oh no <laughs> I think this is very telling of how Holly Black writes but I'm hoping it's gonna change and it's not just us being like old farts who act like parents now where we're just like but she doesn't know what she's doing (laughs) she's being such a teenager someone needs to intervene (laughs) yeah this book i think for the first time in a really long time feels like i'm reading ya in a way that i can't relate to it anymore and it's hmm. bothering me. <laughs> We're getting old. Yeah, God. Uh, so we got Great our conversation. <laughs> we got our MVPs, Maddox and Taryn, who, or I'm sorry, that's not the right. Oh, wine mm. time. Wine. How would you rate the alcohol? I would of this say chapter? chapters. This was an. Eight out of ten, kind of like a Prosecco, where, like, lots of aromas, very fruity, very splashy, and very exciting, and you, you pop open, and you're, you hear the excitement, and you're like, oh, I can't wait. It's not quite at the champagne level, right? Because, like, we haven't reached that. We're getting there, you know? We're working up towards that champagne level of like, bubbly excitement. But for Is now, it going to be like, bubbly? I feel like our level of excitement is going to get to, like, a Bordeaux. Like, it's going to be deep and Oh, rich. it's going to be a burgundy. It's going to be a burgundy. Oh, okay. Right, but there's cool. still a lot that's going to happen before we get to that burgundy, right? <laughs> Fair. So we got to get to the champagne. We're starting off small. <laughs> um, yeah, so 8 out of 10. All right. How's your, how's your wine? Ning. I'm going to go middle of the road this week. I'm going to say 5 out of 10. Because I think there's some justified fears 
and sadness from Jude coming mm-hmm. this week that's, like, necessary because she's trying to figure out which of her family members she can trust and who actually loves her and supports her. And, like, that's a lot to go through. Like, that's frustrating and it's a lot to mentally, like, adjust, you know, like, how to adjust everything in your head so that you can still Mm. be strong in yourself and, like, move forward. And I think for the most part she's adjusting well in these chapters for the most part. But... She makes some reckless decisions. She does whine a bit. Taryn's grouchy in these chapters. Unnecessarily. Cardin's being a big baby, per usual. Um, So there's still some angst that, like, we need to capture, but I don't think it's nearly as bad as it was last week. So, yeah, 5 out of 10. Middle middle of the road. I think that's a solid, solid rating. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's it. That's chapters 9 and 10. Look at us. We made it, and I think we're under 100 minutes, maybe. (gasps) Oh, my God. I'm so proud of us. That was 96 minutes, and so cutting that out, our whole podcast is going to be under 100 minutes. Oh, my God. Wow. I said at the beginning, let's take under two hours, and we did it. Well, we didn't tangent nearly as much as last week, so Yeah, I mean, we had some long tangents towards the end there, but not in the chapter. Thanks, everyone, so much for listening. Um, Hopefully, we have some new ears this these last Give couple us your of ears. Weeks. Well, I friends, faces, Romans, countrymen. I was gonna say ears. faces, but like that's the wrong word because this is an audio only format. So ears made sense in my head. Uh, but we're we hope you're enjoying the new book. Uh, if you have read The Cruel Prince and want to send us feedback or like thoughts about upcoming chapters, feel free to email us at unnecessaryangstpod at gmail.com. Julia will screen all of them, um, but if you have spoilers and it's something that, like, happens towards the end of the book, please just write spoilers in your subject line so Julia knows that she should be the one to open it, and then you can also uh, message us or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So on Instagram and Facebook, it's uh, at Unnecessary Angst Pod. On Twitter, it's at unangstpod. We will eventually start posting on them. You posted today on Instagram, and I, I was like, oh my god. did. Because I want people to actually start listening to this book. Because I feel yeah, like I gotta, people... I gotta boost some stuff for us on socials. Okay. Sounds good. I'm, I'm gonna do it. You heard it here. <laughs> Five weeks after it's been boosted. <laughs> Future Chantel, if I haven't boosted anything when you're editing this, please yell at me. Yell at you. (laughs) Oh my god. Anyways, thanks so much for listening, everyone. Um, Hopefully we'll talk to you all soon. And yeah, hope you enjoy. Talk to you about the Cruel Prince next week. Bye. Bye.